I look at just the, the opportunities that I've had in what six or seven months now, um, and being able to lead this dude right here. He be um, picking it's, on me. Yeah. It's it's like you know there are certain areas where I mean I don't look at myself as picking on you. Yeah, uh, but he, but he's an executive associate bully. <laughs> where, <laughs> we are, you know. What's up, everybody? How you doing? This is Tribes to Tribe podcast, live from our tribe to yours. Um, today, I'm joined, as always, by one of the three amigos on the show, Mr. Dwight Hudson. Yep. And up? today, we got a special, special guest with us today, our associate executive. He has a lot of titles, but Pastor <laughs> Reverend Dr. Frankie like, King. What is that? Um, he's with us today. He got a whole y'all, he got a whole lot of titles. So okay. I only hit like two, but uh, what's up? I'm, I'm PK, Frank. how you doing? I'm good. How are you, sir? I am well, man. I'm good. I'm good. This what's, dude. what's new? You got anything new going on in your life? You why? Know? Why why do we have to open up with this? <laughs> <laughs> you knew it was coming, this sir. Just the opener. <laughs> yes, there's there's a new thing happening in my world. So since the last time we chatted. Uh, we have announced um, me, Alice, and I will be expecting a child. Uh, so that is the oh boy, he got sound effects. We have never used sound effects before. All right, all right, all right. Yes, so that is. Say we're uh, moving on up. All right. So that is that. That is something that's new. So it's gonna be some. Hopefully, one day we'll have a podcast. We can talk about parenting, and I can uh, maybe maybe later down the line I can talk to you about all the all the joys and the. Uh, the joys and the the pains of of new father fatherdom. So, well, congratulations, yeah. sir. Yeah. Thank you, girl, dad. Thank you. I think so. Yeah, well, easily. See, and and, this, easily. and and see, there's so there have been so many uh, uh, gender <laughs> prophets uh, uh, that are in the atmosphere, that are in the land. These gender prophets gender are saying <laughs> that my my mama is my my mama's like boy. Allison's mama's like girl. Frankie's like girl, girl, girl. Dad. There, there's Easily. so many people. There's so many people that are happening. Uh, but the funny thing is, Allison. Every day she sends me these like videos of uh, of like people just like like with their kids stuff like that. And so I'm preparing myself. What, what you hope you you got? What you hoping for? Are you you know. So the more I watch these videos, the more I'm like, dang, a little girl is so cute. Yes, mm. I do believe that. However, yeah. but I'm just like, mm. I do want a boy though. Yeah, I want to have both. Yeah. I pray. I I. I don't tell Allison, but I pray for twins. But she, uh, but, but she, uh, but she, 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 she would. But but the Lord did not hear my prayer, so I guess she prays stronger. Her prayers are stronger than mine. Uh, so at the no. end of the day, we, we're but, but we're excited overall. So that's it's awesome. a new 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 thing and all of that. So that's dope. That's yes. good stuff. That that kind of is interesting, kind of based on what we're talking about today. So um, that's a good segue, Dwight. Congratulations! Oh, he has a cash app too. If y'all want to send uh, baby shower gifts, Ooh, well, if we can. Um, I don't know we could do that. I Listen now, I don't. You know, shameless plug. Shameless plug. Right. So you know, you can reach out to him directly. Um, yeah. D. Hudson at Tribe Church. Is that it? D. Uh, Dwight at Tribe Church. Dwight at Tribe Church. Listen, I receive every ounce of blessing that comes from the Lord. This is not you. You. I didn't say that. That was Cam that kind of put that. I did. Yeah, I'll probably get in trouble. That's okay. So. <laughs> I'll, I'll tithe from what I get. I, I, I get ten percent of what I get. I give back to the church. <laughs> but that that is a good segue. What we're talking about because what you kind of what you raised up in is your your culture, your environment, what yeah. you know to be true. Kind of until you get to the point where you can create your own. Um, and when you when it comes to leadership, we hear a lot about creating a culture that the culture of your organization is important and all of that fun stuff. But 
the culture that you were raised in is just as important as the culture that you're trying to create when it comes to your leadership style. Mm -hmm. So I guess we can start off just saying how or what are some of the some of the things you heard growing up in the, you know, all of us being African-Americans, but we have different upbringings and the culture that you grew up in. What are some of the things that you heard from leaders or from people of, I guess, prominence yeah. is a good word to say that that, you know, now is like, I don't I wouldn't run it like that or I, I wouldn't yeah. lead like that. Yeah. I'll go to the guest first. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> you're going to spot. You're going to put me on the spot. <laughs> no, just kidding. Go you're ahead like, and put the timer yeah, on as well. There's God for with you. No, um, I mean, so my my background is one that is, um, you know, it's, it's kind of mixed culturally. I, I started out in the projects um, around 9 or 10. We ended up moving out of the projects um, into kind of a smaller middle, middle class area. Um, school was right up the street. Um, but we ended up getting bused. Gentrification happened. Boundary lines happened from school. So I ended up getting bused about 15 minutes out um, to a, a pretty much an all-white school. Like our yellow school bus was a school bus that ended up bringing diversity into the building. Um, and so, you know, with that, um, I ended up meeting the, the principal that was there was actually an African-American guy. Um, and he was a he was big on education. So as far as scoping now, this this mindset, he, you know, he was one that said, OK, um, first of all, you're going to succeed. So he began to start putting these, you know, like this is what you're going to do. You're doing it because I'm telling you, which was really kind of I, I was used to that. Mom, dad in the home, you know, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. So everybody was there telling you, yeah, you're going to do this. You're going to do it because I tell you to. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but to see that challenge from an educational stance. You're going to do it because I told you to. I'm putting you in all enriched classes. Um, you're going to be successful. You're not going to do this. And to do that while there's also a major cultural shock. Mm -hmm. um, I think that kind of scoped my foundation now of you're putting me in a place where you feel like I, I belong. Mm -hmm. And so now I got to fight within myself with what I've known in, you know, in the projects based on where you're telling me I'm supposed to be. So he kind of started building that. So um, so for me, it's always been these these cultural shapers mm -hmm. where I start out thinking a certain way. Um, but then these cultural shakers come in and just shape the way you know, the, the, the thought processes for me moving forward. Um, so, I mean, and that's, that's kind of, that, that's kind of how things have progressed for me. Um, it went from, from a principal Hinton to, you know, going into the church mm -hmm. and being able to have, you know, these mothers who would shape stuff. I mean, I, I've, I've had a, um, you know, a leader that would say your response is your responsibility. Um, and, and, and what, what does that mean now? So the way that I respond to the way people say things or do things, it's my responsibility on how I respond to that, mm -hmm. you know? So it's little things like that, um, that really kind of shaped who I am. And, you know, I mean, I could go on and on r r with it because there were all of these people who kind of shaped it. So I don't see myself as a person who has shaped my own culture. I'm literally off of the shoulders of people who have, who have, who the Lord has really brought into my life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it, the, each phase of your life, you have different people. So, like, growing up, uh, for me, my dad was, like, the ultimate shaper. My dad, he would, he you know, he, he was a part, he led mentorship. Oh, my, yeah, my dad from my wedding. Yeah, he, uh, he, he led mentorship groups where he brought in young black kids. Like, I mean, I grew up in South Carolina, so not rich, pretty, not, not I'm going to say poor, but just 
in the hood. I, that's the best way to describe it. Like I grew up yeah. in many, many different versions of the hood. Um, but my my dad took the kids that were like troubled, my cousins, all of that. He took them and he brought them in and showed them mentorship. So like he was like really big in the church about showing mentorship. Um, and while that was good for them, for me, that sucked because I was always on the front. I was always on the, like he, you gonna go like if like if if, it, if the men's group had to go somewhere. If nobody else was there, it was me and him. We were in a men's group, so it'd be like, you know, we need we need one person from your group to read the Bible, one person to say a prayer. I was in one of those two if it was just the two of us. So mm-hmm. so he constantly put me out there. And, and as a kid, I hated it. I lo- I was just like, because I, I wanted to be like everybody else because everybody else got to sit back and chill and relax and stuff like that. Um, but that kind of pushing people to the front, that's always been my dad's leadership style. So And you put most people who know me around here, I'm the same way. I'm like, I'm gonna put you. I'm, I'm gonna try my best to push you out in front, so that way you can understand and you get experience. Because I think that if I didn't get those experiences, I probably wouldn't be the leader that I am today. And that's at five and six and seven years old. So there's no age to when you can begin to really truly push somebody into leadership. Um, now that was my dad. Um, now as I got older, the the negative to that because you're up with the negative and pop. The negative to that was I always assumed that I had to be in charge. So every place I went, it was just like, oh, there's no leader? Bam, I'll go do it. And in some cases, that's good. But in some places, it's like, dude, like, chill out. Like, this, you don't have to lead this. You, you can, and you guys know, I'm like learning that now. Like, I don't have to lead every single thing. But as a kid, that was the culture that I grew up in. Um, so I think that from a, a, the basic leadership style, that was something I, I think I picked up from my dad. Um, the good, absolutely, is I go forward. The bad is I can, I can sometimes be so zealous, overzealous, and just like, do I relax? So mm-hmm. that's that's uh yeah. I mean, uh, mine was interesting. I got kind of similar from from both. You know, my mom, she is safe, sanctified, and filled with the precious Holy Ghost. <laughs> I mean, uh, she paper Bible saved. I mean, she don't care about you know what I'm saying yeah. apps and none of that. No, she didn't need to turn pages. Right. You know. <laughs> You know, I, I'm telling y'all, you know, when I had a nightmare in my house, she put on Juanita Bynum. You are my peace. Absolutely. We did, we, she prayed, you know what I mean? Like, right. she's like that. So growing up, she was the youth leader. Um, so I was like like you. You know, if it was a youth event going on, I had to be there. Swords High, I would, I was the absolute best. At, for those of you that don't know what Swords High is, it's when you put the Bible in the air, mm-hmm. your youth leader call out a, a, a chapter in the scripture, like a verse, and you got to put the Bible down, turn to it real fast, whoever get it first mm-hmm. win. So I was the best at that, you know, because my mom was the youth leader. So we we was going over these scriptures and all of that. So, you know, from her, I kind of learned how to how to be out front and be integral with it, because how she was at church is how she was at home. Mm. You know, there was no no drop off at all. Um, But the bad side of that became she was always at church. So (laughs) it didn't just stop with the youth leader stuff. She Somebody need to wash the baptismal clothes. We was there. It was at one point in my life we was at church from Sunday to Friday. Mm-hmm. And some Saturdays if it was like meetings or rehearsals. Uh, yeah. So for me, I learned how to fill in in gaps and it became something that and I still struggle with till to till this day. Like you take on too much because all that's what I learned was, especially with the church, you fill in where where it's needed. So, you know, she taught me how to be integral, how to be out front, you know, and and actually live the leadership style that you are presenting that you live. But she also on the flip side was like all, all her life was church. Like I was like, don't you have friends outside of sister so-and-so and and mother so-and-so, you know, now on the flip side, my dad is super hood. So 
it's this odd balance for me. I, balance is a bad word to put it. It's this odd back and forth because he was not not in church mm-hmm. at all. You know, I learned scam and and all the hood things that you don't want to teach your kids from that yeah. experience. So I could go to church on Sunday and go sell drugs on Wednesday and then go back to youth group on Friday and nobody would be none the wiser. Like, and that was a horrible, horrible life to live. I mean, I'm not proud of it at all, but I'm just, you know, my upbringing. But he is, he is genuinely probably the most creative person I know. So the good of him is he can make, he can make a story up and you will believe that he really genuinely knows what he's talking about. And you'll be like, okay, I've watched people invest thousands of dollars. And you'd be like, he has never done that in his life. Like, But by the time they got done with the conversation, so I learned, you know, he can draw, he can cut hair. You know, all of the artistic and creative sides that I got, I got from him. Yeah. You know, so I learned how to be creative. I learned how to be artsy. But then on the flip side, you got to be careful that it doesn't venture off into manipulation. And yeah. Because wow. you can dictate people's feelings or read how somebody is feeling. You don't want to use that for, for evil. So, you know, I learned early on that I always have this weird contradiction in my head. I can look at the situation and hear Rhonda. That's my mom's name. I can hear her say, you know, this is what the Bible say, this is what you're supposed to say. But then I can hear my dad be like, you know, that person is uh, insecure or sensitive about, you know, being in the spotlight or that person is sensitive about these things. So if you play to what they're sensitive about, make them feel good, then they'll give you whatever you need from them. Mm-hmm. So it's always like, okay, at the end of the day, the Bible is obviously how we live and how we dictate, but it's just a, it's a constant battle and it's a real battle when it comes mm-hmm. to how I was brought up, right. you know? So in this space specifically, and I know that I work more for those of you that don't know, this is my boss. So me and him work <laughs> together, but I got to go tell him everything that I do. And when I get in trouble, I get in trouble from him. Oh, so <laughs> anyway, working with Dwight regularly, <laughs> I know kind of how he how he maneuvers this and I've learned a ton because cultural upbringing yeah. is huge in how you lead your team. Mm-hmm. So I've watched him people who are brought up different ways need different things when it comes to yeah. discipline or motivation or right. so I kind of you know you could tell people how you do it but more specifically for you how do you deal with especially being like the executive associate assistant <laughs> pastor um how do you All deal <laughs> How do you Is that deal even really with, a title? I don't know. It's your title, though. 800. <laughs> how do you deal with uh, or, or how do you learn how to address people based on kind of being aware of how they were brought up? Like, is that yeah. something that you take into consideration when you're correcting or when you're motivating? Yeah, it's um, a good question. Um, I, I think um, it, it does go back to the cultural beginnings of your foundations, right? Um, so as you guys were, were talking, it were just reminded me so much of, of my folks. You know, I had a father who worked 60, 70 hours a week when I was growing up, when we was in the projects in the Harrison Homes. <clears throat> he started out working at a Chinese restaurant when he was 12. Wow. My grandmother, his mom, um, she worked... Um, whatever job she could possibly find just to be able to make ends meet. Uh, she ended up finding Chan's restaurant, this Chinese restaurant, and brought him in. So he cleaned, he did dishes, he did these things, and he continued to work there till he was about 18. So what's crazy is they're working, but they're making just enough to put food on the table, mm-hmm. right? So 
Um, so growing up, I see my father constantly working. Um, I see my mom working, but my mom was 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 in church too. Like, and that's a whole funny story too. My dad grew up uh, Pentecost apostolic, right? My mom started out Baptist. She ended up going to Woodstone visit his church, that. right? I mean, like I told you, Baptist coastal. I'm coming from a mall, right? <laughs> um, so so she goes to visit his church, and she ends up getting saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. She comes back, she kicks him out and says, nah, you need to be saved because we're not going to be up in here unequally yoked. All right, no. So all of the things that he was brought up in, <laughs> yeah, God. all of the things that he was that he was brought up in, she comes in, begins to read the word, begin to take the word in, and, and now she's trying to apply these rules. So it kind of provoked this, y'all know this word, this godly jealousy, yeah. right, for him to say, okay, I really need to get my life right. Yeah. So he ends up getting saved. They end up getting married. Uh, it was the most ghetto wedding because I'm the ring bearer walking down the aisle. Y'all still didn't get that. It went over y'all head. <laughs> I'm the ring bearer yeah. in my parents' wedding. There you go. Did y'all get it? Yeah. Okay. All right. And so, so, so that kind of shaped again. We're, we're talking about you know culture shaping. My dad is working constantly. My mom is at home giving me the word. Um, the way that she gave me the word was actually the the way that I began to to look at other people and how to help them. Okay, we were constantly with her. She never really focused on, you know, this particular. The scripture says this. First Corinthians thirteen says this. You know, Psalms twenty three says this. She never did it that way. It was always based on relationship. Mm-hmm. Even you know, theology was all based on relationship. So um, I would <laughs> I would come home from you know, basketball practice and she could tell that I hadn't been reading my Bible. So um, I would open up the door to go up the stairs. There was a Bible right there on the stair. I open it up and it would say, um, you know, dear Frankie, uh, we haven't talked in a long time. I was you know, wondering if maybe. We, and, and so and so I'm like, all right, here we go. You know, love. Love Jesus, you know. So so everything was about the scriptures. She said, imagine yourself as a fly on the wall during this conversation in the scripture. Uh-huh. So in my mind, I'm imagining myself in the courtroom when King Agrippa and uh, and, and, uh, and Paul are talking, right? It's like, you almost persuaded me to be a you know, Christian. So I'm looking at this and it's like almost like a movie scene. Mm-hmm. So to tell you where it's at, uh, I don't necessarily know where it's at as far as the, but but it was from relationship. Mm. So as I'm having conversations with people, everything was about relationship. Family was about relationship, um, and 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 so that kind of helped me from a leadership stance to focus on the people first, as opposed to trying to prove that I'm more than them or prove that I'm more successful than them. Or it's like, where are they at? If we can find out where they are, then we can put a plan together for their growth and their development. So that became the leadership style. Uh, my dad was one that, you know, he knew exactly who he was. He knew exactly what he wanted to go and do. So for him, this it was a mindset of, Frankie, wherever you go, you're going to be a thermostat. You're not going to be a thermometer, mm-hmm. right? Where you go, you set the tone, you set the pace. So there's a part of me that can come into a room. And if I want, if I want to grab the attention, I can do that. But then there's this other part that says relationship. You need to see where everyone else is in, in the atmosphere to determine how you need to come in. Mm-hmm. So there's this, there's this constant fight. Like you were saying, there's this constant fight on do I need to be the person in the room or do I need to step back and find out where people are to kind of help them along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that's, that, that becomes my fight um, constantly. 
and it's I think it's it's that and you, what you said of uh, ad- looking at the room, being socially or I guess emotional emotionally intelligent enough to look in the room and say, okay, what's needed in this space? Mm-hmm. Uh, my my like kind of and you and you guys, and we laugh about it all the time on this podcast, but my dad and what he did and even my mom they were very methodical and they were very much consistency was the key so the the way that you get something to work is to just be consistent at it and i sometimes lose the relationship part because i'm so focused on a process doing what it's supposed to do that i end up messing it up mm. but it wasn't until i began to see how my or what worked in my mind or what worked in my space until i saw how it was actually impacting people um in a negative way it was just like wait this is supposed to help you. Like I, I'm an engineer, so at work this works. Mm. In my personal world, this works. But when I started dealing with people who don't think like me and don't act like me, and in some cases don't even have the same cultural background that I do, then I end up having to say, "Okay, wait a minute. I I, I have to say that differently." Like whenever I don't understand something, I don't just say I don't understand. I just say, "Can you say that a different way?" Because because I I you. You're, what you're saying makes sense, but can you say that a different way? And that was I think somebody said that to me one time. And I was just like. Dang, that means I now got to think mm. a new, mm. I, I have to figure out a new way to say what I'm trying to right. say because the assumption is that, especially when, when in multicultural church, we throw, throw this kind of piece in here is when you grow up in around the same type of people. Like if I lived in Charleston my whole life and hung around the same people my entire life, I could go through my whole life thinking that everybody leads this certain way. Mm. Yeah. But when I moved to Rockford or moved to Michigan, it's just like, that's a different way of doing it. So now I have to now figure out a way, a new way to communicate the same idea right. that I have that, that makes sense. I, it's in my mind. I got it. Mm-hmm. But how can I get you to get it? And that's that whole influence. I think we had a podcast talking about influence. We really have to figure out how to be influential and taking your culture, but then also being so aware of your culture to say, wait a minute, this is a different culture. Yeah. So I can't use that same method. Like I might be able to talk to Camel one way and you might say, I don't get that because of, you know, you, you both grew up in the Midwest, but me and my buddies from South Carolina, we can start talking about something. It's just like, it's, it's, it's nothing. So mm-hmm. I think that that is one of the keys is to identify your culture, but then also be able to identify culture in somebody else and say, okay, well, what does that culture look like? Yeah. Going to tribes, right? I mean, well, we, we know the reality yeah. of like, okay, y'all don't think like me. So yeah. let's, let me figure out how, how, how to kind of re, how to say it in a state a different way. Yeah. And I, and that, the whole piece of, of the, 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 the tug, the give and take and, the, and, and understanding culture, for me, I've had to learn how to walk in grace with that grace for, okay, Cam, you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And this is a new environment and a new challenge. I don't deal well, for those of you that don't know, so I'm going to surprise all of you, I don't deal well with like passive aggressive stuff. So, you know, surprise, I'm learning how to lead or how to still communicate with passive aggressive people. Mm-hmm. I have to try to put myself in your shoes and walk in grace to say, I may not know why you're like that, mm-hmm. but you are like this for whatever reason or however you grew up, the culture that you grew up in. So I have to learn and, and give you grace to grow, understand me and give myself grace to understand like, I just don't know. So I, I may hurt your feelings and I, I, it's, un, it's not intentional yeah. most of the time. Let me be honest, okay? Tell you what the Lord loved. That's the truth, okay? So I'm mean, <laughs> hurt your feelings. On, it, it may not be intentional, but I'm trying to learn how to communicate with you in, in however you were brought up. And I think so often, especially in church, we do not give each other enough grace. Yeah. 
uh-huh. and enough, you know, just love and support to be like, you don't know how to communicate. You know, it's Black History Month right now. So you see all the posters and the we shall overcome and uh-huh. all of that stuff. As a black person, you know, as a black man, I have to give someone grace who doesn't know how to communicate with me. You know, I get the you peoples. Mm-hmm. And that used to be a trigger word for me. Like, what you what you mean, you people? Mm-hmm. And again, I'm going to surprise all of you again. For those of you that don't know, I'm a fighter. So, <laughs> you know, I grew up, you fight first. You figure out what you're fighting for later. You oh, know, wow. you know, I, that's just I'm, that's just how I was brought up. I hit you in the face and then be like, what, what happened? Uh, like, uh, no. I can't do that here. I was saying, and that's where a relationship comes in. Yeah. Because you, you can then begin to understand somebody's story. So if I like like um if, if I look at somebody on the worship team, if I understand, okay, well well why 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 is passive because passive aggressiveness, I too don't like that. Um uh but the question is why is somebody being passive aggressive? Well, because maybe expressing their emotions was frowned upon in their like where they come from so they constantly had to just say things in a way that was nice but nasty like mm-hmm. it was just like i had to say it nicely because what mattered most in that household was how you say things not what you say you can say whatever you want to say as long as you you know you, you can take it up huh? trash mm-hmm. it up and make yeah. it sound good that's the that's their culture and so once i listen and hear somebody say well, well you know what was it like growing up and granted you may not have the luxury of having this conversation with every person that I mean, as a leader, you probably should be mm. get getting to the place where you can have those conversations and say, "Hey, what's your what's your story? What how how'd you get where you are?" And then begin to ask questions. And then, as a leader, you can identify things that you say, "Well, this is something that you know, um, um, uh, this is something I noticed inside you." But like, does that come from somewhere? And just begin to ask the question over time. Like, you don't have to go to somebody who's branding your team and say. You seem to be pretty lazy. Um, I don't understand why you are so lazy. Can you tell me why you're so lazy? Like, like right. that, that won't work. It but won't work. it's over time. It's just like it might work. Yeah. <laughs> but but it's like but like you, you got to go go in with that with that with that wisdom and that just to be able to go in and say that. That's actually at, at my job. Uh, my manager, we he and I talk about like uh, diversity and inclusion stuff all the time. And one of the things we, we're having is we're actually doing this very conversation is who am I? And so we're trying to. Go back as to why, how, how, why my manager leads the way that he leads, right? And so one of the things that he shared with us was just like he he was a twin, and as and being a twin, um, his brother would always blame stuff on him. So whenever we're working for, for, at work, and someone like accuses him of doing something, he gets very 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 defensive, and I'm just like. They were like, okay, we get it. You didn't do it. But, like, that's a trigger for him. But if I didn't know his story, I would just say, this dude is, is a hothead and has a temper. When she's like, no, that's just him trying to figure it out as a 40-something-year-old guy. And that's mm-hmm. just what life looks like, you know? Yeah. yeah I think, for, for me, passive-aggressive has actually been utilized as a tool. Yeah. Um, it's, not a, it's not a norm, but it's, it, it, it was a tool that I, that I, I don't know if it was a def- defense mechanism or what. But, but in growing up, you know, grandma on both sides were kind of the the pillars of our of our of our families. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> with that, there's there was this mindset that after they left, um, I always found I was the first uh, in, in my family to actually, you know, go to college. Um, there was this, you know, it, it was a it was a weird dynamic, um, but because my mom and dad were the ones that were in church, we were the church growing going you know family that that was that was involved. So there was this it was almost this y'all think y'all all that because y'all are in church where you know the rest of us were not, and mm-hmm. so it's it's like you guys are the special bunch. So to have to 
deal with, you know, well, this is my cousin. I don't care if I'm all that or not. I'm not even looking at it. This is my cousin. I want to play with them. But then having those things fed into you as being young kids, you find that these things kind of kind of dissect you or separate you. So um, so so growing up, man, like there was this moment where I found that even though this is the, what I really, really wanted to do, I may find that I got to present it to you in a different way to get you to want to do it. Because if I want to do it, then you're going to say, oh, you always want stuff your way. You always want to do things your way. So it became this almost like a trigger. It was like, well, let me utilize. I know that this is what I want to do, but I also know how to get you to be able to get there so that we can do it together. It became a tool. Um, so now the difference is I, I can see you, I can talk with you, I can tell maybe this is where Holy Spirit's discernment is that there are some areas of growth in your life, but I'm not going to tell you exactly where you're about to go because if I give it to you directly, you might be like, uh, no, there's resistance. So if I can walk you through the process, there's a trust that's now built, there's a relational equity that's now established, and then from there, I can speak into your life because you know that we're connected now. Whereas, you know, being aggressive all the time, you may find that there are some people who are like, nah, I just don't want that character. So I've been able to look at it as a tool, not just a character. You know, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, now, some people would look at that and say, that's manipulative. You know, that's that's a manipulative spirit, mm-hmm. you know, but it's it's not when you know the true heart of where you're, you know, of, of what you're trying to do in these relationships. I don't, I don't know. Passive aggressive is not a tool, but <laughs> <laughs> learning something new today. Cause I'm, I'm not with that. Yeah. But I mean, both of you mentioned something that I think, you know, is also very important, you know, to have in this conversation before our time is up. And that's just triggers. You know, mm-hmm. we all. We all have them. I know for me, I have both cultural triggers and triggers like cultural as being a black man and then cultural being how I grew up. Mm-hmm. And first of all, acknowledging them. I know for me at 20, at the ripe old age of 27, in all my years of being on this earth, it took mm-hmm. me a while to get to the point where I can say, this is a trigger. Yeah. I, it, it, there was a lot of pride that was involved for me that said, first of all, you you not going to know you not going to know how to affect me that's not that's not you not going to know that you can push my buttons in this and in getting close to to you know av and and all of that i had to learn how to communicate that this is a trigger because if i hold it in and in 2 weeks you get out and slam my car door and i just hit the ceiling and you looking at me like who are you talking to first of all you lower your voice you know but it made for a rough rough time in just that re- in, in my most important relationship to me so in leading i had to also take that same mindset and say these are triggers and i can't go off on my team because you don't know that this is a trigger so mm-hmm. i try to communicate first of all i try to be aware and acknowledge this is a trigger this mm-hmm. is a trigger because of how i grew up or this is a trigger because of my culture like i had to learn that like right. you coming up to me after something happens to african-american man in the media or to something that has to deal with african-american community and you coming up to me saying i'm sorry what can i do Mm. i had to learn that that was like that's a that's a button for me because you didn't do it and i'm not i'm not the the teacher of this area for african-american issues like but acknowledging that and understanding that kind of took the power out of it i'm still not good at understanding how to allow people in different cultures mm-hmm. like their triggers because sometimes i'll be like that's stupid to be mad at mm-hmm. so i don't i don't know how to do that maybe that's something y'all can speak to but i don't know how to acknowledge that 
in your culture, how you grew up, that's a trigger for you, and I should, you know, take that in, give you grace. I, I, don't, I don't know how to do that. But triggers are important to understand and learn how to maneuver. Yeah, I mean, I think that comes with, so not just, that. so you got your team, right? You got your team that you're exposed to and you get to meet with it all the time. So that's where relationship comes into play. Other times is just to, to get yourself out of your team and get yourself in other, other spaces and just watch, just observe, just, just, just look at, sit in a room and see conflict happening and just watch and just observe, well, what caused that? And then, and granted, it's, it's generalizing, absolutely, but it's helpful to, as a tool to be able to look and say, okay, I saw that when I moved to Grand Rapids, when people began to, people talk about weather a lot. And I was just like, what's going on? What? Like, this, 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 this is funny, but it's like, people talk about weather a lot. What, what is that? What is that about? So then I, what I begin to realize is that a lot of times people have nothing to say to each other. People don't want meaningful conversations. So what they do is they just talk about weather. It's just, let's, let's just kind of shoot the breeze. So then I said, well, how can I combat that? I'm not going to ask you about the weather. I'm going to ask you about how you're doing. And I'm actually about genuinely how you're doing. And, and then I'm able to go into that. So then I, I test that out on some non-close people. And just, does that work? Okay, that works. And then when I go back into my sphere, all right, I mean, now I see how I can dig in. That's a geographical cultural difference that, that, that I was able to use. When I look at people, my Caucasian brothers and sisters, right? I remember, uh, and maybe it's just uh, Grand Rapids. I, I've always worked with, uh, pe- I was always a minority wherever I worked, right? So when I came to Grand Rapids, it was just like, you know, Euchre and, you know, founders. And I was just like, what? What is all this stuff? Like, I, I, I don't get it. But I had to observe. And in some cases, and it, this, this, gets, this will turn a little bit, but assimilate to, uh, to an environment to figure out what that looks like. So I can learn what are your triggers. And, that, and that's where I'm, in a sense, mimicking behavior and saying, okay, well, what do they do? How do they do it? And why do they do it? And then I get it. And then I say, okay, that's what they do. Got it. Put that in my tool belt. And now when I go around this type of people, I can do this. And, th- and this kind of goes into the whole code switching piece, right? Which is just like, wherever you go, you got to adjust w- what you're doing. And I think that that's, I think that that's helpful. I think that's biblical, honestly, because the Bible says that I have to become all so I can reach some. So I can do whatever I got to do to go there. But some people are so um, culture bound like they're just like this who i am do some of b i don't care about your triggers i got mine and i don't care what's going on that is what's gonna be are, are you, you playing yourself yeah uh, no, i'm <laughs> struggling i'm, yeah. I'm telling you the lord love yeah. that's true yeah. i was that that till i got here yeah when i got here i was like okay being my whole entire black self mm-hmm. is and not gonna work the, and, and and the and the reason is not because who <laughs> you are is bad but it's just how do i work with other people how how how, how can i become uh, how can I build instead of like just doing my own thing? Yeah. So I, I think that that's that's so to your, to your question about um, looking at triggers, I gotta I have to put myself in somebody else's shoes and say, okay, well, what what are your triggers and observe them because sometimes the people will say as a trigger isn't even a trigger. There's something else behind that that's the trigger, and you have to be wise enough and just to be able to look and say, okay, hey, and identify those things. And that's I think that's a leadership trait. Yeah, I think that that was where I was going to go. I mean, I think there are some people who can just be comfortable in their skin being them. Um, but then when they're now put in a position where they have to be a leader mm-hmm. and they have people who are following them in order to get the best out of the team, then you're going to have, as the Bible says, you have to be quick to speak or slow to speak, like, you know, slow to anger, right? Mm-hmm. Quick to listen, quick to hear. Um, because you're not just doing something for yourself. You're now trying to bring a, a, a group of people in 
to accomplish a, you know, a common goal. So you, you can't speak to everyone the same. Mm-hmm. You can't respond to everyone the same because everyone has these triggers just like you have yours. Uh, but as a leader, you're in a position where you have to be able to spot those things out and then present it in, a, in the best way to get the, 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 com- the, the results that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. So I often say, you know, and, and we talk about this as far as black, you know, colorism, as far as this, you know, we're not we're not we're, we're black colored, but um, we're, we're, mono, we're, we're not monolithic. Like mm-hmm. we don't all think the same. We're not all the same. We may have the same color, but we think because of the cultures that we came from, there's different things that are going to trigger us. Um, you know, I look at just the, the opportunities that I've had in what, six or seven months now um, and being able to lead this dude right here. He be picking um, it's, on me, yeah. it's, it's like. You know, there are certain areas where I mean, I don't look at myself as picking on you, yeah, uh, but, he, but he's an executive associate bully. Where <laughs> we are, you know, we we're in a position now where <laughs> hey, the honeymoon stage is starting to fade a little bit, and now there are certain things that are now you know we're looking at these are things that are absolutely needed. So how can I get the best out of out of Cam? You know, if I come a certain way, I already know he don't like that way. So we're going we're gonna to bump heads. But if there's another way, because we've established that relationship, if there's another way that I can come that will help him see I'm actually here for your development, your development. I'm not against you. Mm-hmm. Then it now challenges him to be able to see things a different way. And then from this relationship, my goal is for you to take that to your your team and say, I can't speak to one to the way that I that I speak to the other. Mm-hmm. Right? To my team over there. Yeah, I see your team over there. They, 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 they solid. They, they, yeah. they shaking their head they saying no. They booing him. They booing everything they, he's doing right now. In case y'all can't see what's going Listen, on. Y'all yeah. should not believe it, man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just, yep. just so but no triggers, man. That was, um, I think that's still an area for me that that I'm still trying to deal with, um, trying to figure out what happens because my, I think I have a proclivity to step back when it comes to being triggered. Time out. Oh. Um, as a what is pro- ki- pro- a proclivity? proclivity? Cl- however you say that word. I what is that? Um, that's a college word. I have I have a um, my default? my initial default yeah. is to step back. Okay. Yeah. Why are you just um, say default? Why you I don't know. Uh, no, that was a preacher word. <laughs> That's what that was. That could have said my default. Um, to, to to step back and and it's it's really stepping back to figure out okay how do I get myself back in the game? I'm thinking a certain way. Why am I thinking that way? Where is it coming from? Um, and those are things that I think with with people who are triggered trying to figure out how do you handle yourself when you're triggered mm-hmm. when you've yeah. lost your marbles how do you how do you get yourself back again and right? i'm terrible at it man I'm, yeah. I'm 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 really working on it my word this year was balance we had a kind of a mm-hmm. podcast mm-hmm. and part of my balance is understanding first of all where are my triggers and how do i how do i get out of it because once mm-hmm. i'm triggered like once it's there it's it's for real there and yeah. then i'm just I'm looking at everything through triggered lenses. Mm-hmm. So now everything is jaded. The minute Frankie called me on the phone, what did I do? What do he want? Yeah. Do I want to pick up the phone? When I walk into it, I see Frankie having a conversation. And I'm like, what did I do now? Yeah. What is he going to say? Then my inclination is to do I quit? Do I go off? You know, yeah. but I'm at this point and I don't know how to come. I don't know how to come down yet. Yeah. So I'm trying to work really hard. I've learned that identifying them when it's starting to happen me and me and Av uh, talk a lot about snowballs. That's what we call yes. it. Mm-hmm. And um, she's probably the one that's helped me the most in understanding what starts the snowball mm-hmm. and being able to just 
I can't always get it, even get it out to her, but just getting it out, writing it out, going outside and just talking or yelling out right. loud helps to stop that snowball from happening. Because once it gets going, it's just like I'm not an effective leader. I'm not an effective team member. I'm operating out of a deficit. So then I'm offended. Mm-hmm. I'm, t- I'm, I'm frustrated and I'm easily offended. Right. So now I don't even want to take the leadership or the correction or from my team members or my, my supervisor. So I'm learning, especially in a church community, how much, and we, we should do a podcast on triggers, how much mm-hmm. triggers matter. Cause, cause I, the, because the enemy, the enemy knows our triggers, right? The enemy has been watching us our whole life, right? Like mm-hmm. he's been trying to attack us our whole life. So he, he knows what triggers us. Um, and so what he will do is uh, he will use a trigger and throw an imagination and that's why the Bible says cast down imaginations. Right. So you are your role is to quickly grab it and then quickly say, is this real? Because if you don't, that snowball, I call that building a narrative. Mm-hmm. Like that's where the minute someone says, someone said, Dwight, you did a bad job. I now begin to build an entire narrative. Literally, they might have just been saying, hey, you did a bad job on that song because you sang it too fast. In my mind, they're telling me, you're a terrible worship leader. Mm-hmm. You were off pitch. Everybody was bad. The whole and it's just like whoa, 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 whoa. So you take that, you know. If if, if you're somebody like me, who one of my triggers, like when people just begin to complaining, is a trigger of mine. When people complain, I get so mad. Like it's like, shut up. <laughs> it's done. It's uh, do, do you want to do it? No. Okay, then take what we got. So so that that's that's a trigger of mine. So I, I, and, but but what I've learned to do is that once that happens. Are they complaining from a real place or are they complaining from their personal opinion? Like, is, is their complaint valid? Um, and then begin to, then that's why I begin to gather counsel. Okay, hey, is that, is that valid? Talking to Allison, is that, is that valid? And she might say, yeah, that is valid. Maybe you should follow it up with that. Or do I let that go? Because I can hold on to something. And, that, and that's, that, that's what triggers, what triggers, we hold on to them. It's crazy the thing that makes us most mad, we hold the closest to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just like, Defense. It's yeah. it's learn for me. It's like for real. It's deep, man. Learning a new identity because when triggers hit, I'm so used to being that person. Like in sports, you have to have a certain demeanor. Mm-hmm. Like you have to attack, 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 attack. Because if you don't deliver blows, then you're receiving them. That's right. how you get injured or you can't reach your peak performance. So you take on the identity of I'm an aggressor. Mm-hmm. Like I and my natural demeanor with the mindset of how I being raised on how on what I was raised on and how I grew up makes me like that ultra eight when we took the Enneagram mm-hmm. and I was like a 98% eight. I was a challenger because mm-hmm. that's what I that's what I do. I have to now learn that that may be part of who I am, but that is not my story. That's not me. Right. You know, and I can't keep going around these trees. I can't keep going around these circles to mm-hmm. say I'm holding this narrative closest to my heart because I am an aggressor. So I am angry. So when you say something to make me upset, I'm I'm angry. That's what I am. I'm going to hang on to this. Mm-hmm. I, it it attributed to my sickness. You know, when I got diagnosed with cancer, part of, it got to the point sometimes where the doctor was like, I can't see anything. Like, I can't see anything on the x-ray, you know, once we're at the tail end of it. But I see that you're physically weak yeah. or your blood pressure is through the roof or your sugar is a 596 and you look physically okay she said there's something inside of you that you need to go see a counselor mm-hmm. and talking to Dwight helped me tremendously to say okay you're not crazy to go see a counselor because this is what I believed me to be right. you know one of my favorite songs Jonathan McReynolds 
has a song called Cycles. Mm -hmm. And he says, you know, the enemy, he learns from your mistakes, even if you don't. Right. So for me, it's like, this can no longer be who I am. Because it's one, it's killing me physically. And two, I'm not effective with my communication with Av. I'm not effective in my being a team member to Dwight. I'm not a, effective in, you know, being a leader. Like, so I had to divorce myself from this identity mm, after I understood what my trigger was. Yeah. Like, this is, it's so crazy why I, I don't, still this day, I don't understand why I hold that the closest. Mm. I, and and I'm, I'm in this weird place now to figure out who am I now. Yeah. When I'm not this aggressor i'll always be a challenger because that's what god put in me but mm -hmm. that doesn't have to be my only identity so trying to learn trying to divorce some of those cultural norms yep. trying to divorce that identity that i think that i've taken on myself it's, it's been a journey man it's, it's rough but you got this man i think it's worth it man yeah. at the end of the day none, know that triggers are really coming from um, a place of emotion yeah. the way to handle emotions um, you know, it was so funny when, when we were in sales, um, you know, they, they did the disc profile. So we had the disc profile, <clears throat> but before they, they talked about being emotionally hijacked, right? Like how do you lose, you know, you're losing, losing markers, um, that, that once something comes to your mind and hits your, you know, your amygdala. So the thing that this little nut, I know, I know I'm giving you some, some, so there's this little nut shaped place in your brain. Um, that is called the amygdala, and that is literally where your emotions go berserk. They call it like going nuts. It's, yeah. it's because it's a nut-shaped little area. Um, but what do you do when you're emotionally hijacked? And so one of the things is your, your brain needs oxygen. So to take deep breaths um, and then to counter emotions with facts and truths. Mm -hmm. So they would tell us stuff like, all right, you know, Start taking deep breaths. You know that you're triggered right now. Begin to start thinking on some factual things, you know, things numerically um, to get you away from focusing so much on your emotions. Um, and then once you're able to do that, then you come to a place now where you can begin to start thinking more rational. Um, I added to that believing in the scriptures. What does yeah. the scripture say about this? What does the scripture say about, you know, right now I'm upset. I'm okay, I can be angry, but I can but there's but I can sin not. So, it's okay to be angry about this, but why am I being angry? And what does the Bible say about where I'm at right now? I think those that's the reason why it's so important for us to know the word of God because there's nothing in script there's nothing um that we deal with in our na nature in humanity that is not found as an answer in the scriptures. We have to believe that. So when we're emotionally hijacked, what does the scripture say about where we are right now? And I think the more we learn that, the more we learn the word, the more we have now to combat those emotional issues or those cycles that we go through. Man, we got to do another one on, on triggers. But any last, as we wrap it up, any last words for the, for the people? Y'all got anything to say? No, no I mean, I think, we, I think we hit it all. I mean, just the, the tracing of of uh, the first question you asked about how our culture is and then how the how that led to triggers is, is very important so as people are are leading they have to be aware of their cultural background and then understand the triggers that those things caused like you're like one thing you like I mentioned like so if there's a hole or something like that I just feel like I gotta I gotta feel it that's a that that's that's a trigger but most of the times those things are are created during childhood and it's a matter of you having to go back in and revisit that, even in how painful and how frustrated it is. As leaders, I think we have to take that emotional inventory to say, okay, where am I and, and, and where did this come from? 
and then put that at the foot of the cross and say, okay, Lord, but now who do you say I am? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. could, uh, who, who do you say I am? Because I, I know what I believe about myself, but now who do you say that I am? And then I've, I'm a firm believer that he will begin to reveal who he has designed you to be. And that's just that. That's a part of it. So that's just that, that connection between the two. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, the culture that you build is important, but understanding the culture that you're birthed from, what you came from, kind of to what you said is just as if not more important because you can't build something if you don't know you know what what you come from where you come from right. the things that Dwight said are triggers I know for me my process goes just um, I have to stop you know breathe for a second and then I tell myself you know my emotions may be valid but the facts behind it are not mm-hmm. so I may be angry I may be frustrated but what has gotten me here may not actually be you know Frankie don't really hate me Dwight don't like picking on me like mm-hmm those things are not factual so like you said start thinking of things that are factual for me i think of sports stuff it's kind of weird but i think of like games that i can know off it's top weird because you can't play sports that's where you're going that's we got an executive pastor that just told a lie on camera <laughs> it is documented that can't is, help, y'all. he it's, just it's, it, again two over two lies mm-hmm. that's it see triggers that see um, <laughs> y'all have a wonderful evening um, <laughs> A wonderful day whenever you're watching this. Um, this has been Tribes to Tribe from our tribes to yours. Saying peace out. Peace out. See y'all.